Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And we have a very fun episode for you uh, that is a bit of a palate cleanser and also a lesson on why not to be racist. So all around a good time. Um, but before bef- this episode, I had no reasons, but now I have so <laughs> many reasons. Well, I'm glad we could stop Andrea from being racist. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, but before that, we've got some news and reviews. Uh, the news is, is that we have a Patreon now. Did you hear what? about that? Have you heard about this one? How no. corny is our Patreon on the scale of one to Paige's vampire novel. <laughs> right now it it's is. at Paige's vampire lo- <laughs> novel levels of horny. It is full on horny. Uh, Paige wrote a vampire erotic novel and we released the first two chapters on our Patreon and we will be releasing more along with some other bonus content. Uh, so go check that out. Patreon.com slash cult podcast for just $5 a month I think or maybe less. I'm not really sure. I can't remember anymore. Uh, you get access to our bonus show uh, and our bonus content and you get a shout out on the show but we have a bunch of other cool tiers as well um, secondly if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show might we suggest Rooster Tea cock a doodle doo Rooster Teeth is one of the best places to listen to the podcast and a bunch of other really cool podcasts and, and watch a bunch of other cool content as well um, you can get the app, which is available on your phone, your computer, your fucking Xbox, your Fire Stick, all that cool shit. Uh, or you can just go to the official website, roosterteeth.com. Um, and yeah, I think without that, we, we've got some reviews. I, I, we haven't really been reading reviews. Uh, we have some negative ones, which I think are very hilarious. People calling us racist, um, Again? which is cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you read some of those? Because they make me laugh every time. I'm not going to read the racist ones because it's just very fun. They're like, you guys are great. Your jokes are great. Podcast is great. But you guys are real racist. And it's like against I, white mm-hmm. people. And I'm like, that's not how that works. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. It's a one star review from AJR 2012. And they say, wow. I was enjoying it until we started making serious fun of New Hampshire. Hey. <laughs> I posted this on Twitter. I live in New Hampshire and we do okay without all of you. This may be why less than 2% listen to you from here. So you heard it here first, folks. Listen to New Hampshire's most hated podcast. <laughs> Let's get shirts. New Hampshire's most hated <laughs> podcast. I've, I'm a big fan of Old Hampshire. There was nothing wrong with it. Uh, this this is a five-star review from uh, Akipila, and they say, Super hilarious. My friend recommended me this podcast, and I instantly binged as many episodes as I could. They really know how to make dark topics hilarious. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. you. Obviously somebody from old Hampshire. So that's very good. (laughs) Fuck your new shit. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be clear. We don't hate New Hampshire. This is like when people think I hate weed. Like it's a joke. It's a bit. Don't get so upset about it. As Drake said, no New Hampshire's. Yes. Also, fuck California. I love this place, (laughs) but also like fuck this place. You know, most states, man. Yeah. Don't take it. Wait. 
too fucking seriously. Uh, also, don't say fuck America because people get mad at us for saying fuck America. Anyway, fuck America. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, though, is that the people that do get mad when you say fuck America, if they could put America in some lingerie and get dirty with it, would. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you get uh, the max freedom long. Anyway. <laughs> You'll hear all about it in this episode. Yes. Without any further ado, let's get into the show. I'm more interested in the Max Freedom girth. Hello. Hello. Hello, ladies. 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 Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as... Organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these, these are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! We have a fun palate cleanser for you today. <laughs> <laughs> palate town cleanser. Am I right, my poke nerds? Oh my God. Andrea Andrea hopped on the Zoom call and immediately was just like, y'all hear about this new Pokemon shit? And I was like, no, I'm old. It's a Pokemon <laughs> Go event day. I have uh -huh. very important plans after this recording to catch them all. <laughs> yes, yeah. obviously I'm going to catch them all. We'll see what happens. I paid $12 for a pass so I could be a part of this online nerd event. And I am so fucking excited, you guys. Before we started recording, Andrea got so excited because she realized that she could basically do online dog fighting, uh, where she was <laughs> like, yeah, you can... You can make them go up against another Pokemon and fight them. And I never knew you could do that. And it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. Pokemon has always been problematic in a Michael Vick way. Uh, <laughs> but. Oh, fuck. Here we are. You know, just. I'm sure Pikachu has PTSD, but whatever. He's super yeah. cute. I'm sure that if you play enough Pokemon, you too can play for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Oh, this was supposed to be a palate cleanser, and we are fucking that. I'm so sorry, you guys. Paige, what's this I mean, week's episode about? I'm so sorry. <laughs> this week's episode is about white people uh, deciding that they know Hawaiian better than Hawaiians. Oh. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. I've been white. to Hawaiian barbecue places, so I've seen this there you before. Go. You are equally as qualified as these people. Um, it's This is going to be an interesting, interesting one. Um, we're diving into Huna mysticism today. Um, we'll get into our sources in just a second, but just so you kind of have an idea of how this is going to break down, we're going to start by going through a, a bunch of Hawaiian history, just mm. so that people understand a, what the Hawaiian islands and culture and people have gone through to understand why they, uh, might be hurt and offended by white people just deciding to make up their own Hawaiian religion uh, so that it gives <laughs> a little more context. Then we're also going to talk about 
the man who kind of originates a lot of this thought and then some of the people that are kind of currently propagating and teaching this system of beliefs. They are very clear on pretty much every website they have that it is not a cult but rather just a system of beliefs. And I will say that they are not organized. They're not keeping people there. So sure, I guess. But they are being super, super offensive. <laughs> so we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I First of all, I hate offensive stuff. Everyone knows that about me. Second <laughs> of, of all... When I think of PC culture, I think of Armando Torres. <laughs> exactly. And the second thing that I know is I'm very well versed in Hawaiian history. Um, Hawaii was started when uh, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, uh, decided that he needed a place to stay and he rose the islands from the ocean and flew there on a magic guitar. I mean, that's what I have in my notes. So, I mean, do we really need to record this? Oh, perfect. Awesome. (laughs) Get back to just doom scrolling through Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, the only yeah the the Old Testament of Hawaii is Elvis Presley, and the New Testament is Lilo and Stitch. That's that's <laughs> oh that oh about no. covers it. I I like that we didn't even get into Moana. Like we're just like no no no, <laughs> just Lilo and Stitch. Oh shit, I haven't seen Moana. Are you guys ready to get into our sources? So ready. Yes. Yes. Our first source and and. Arguably one of my favorites is uh, EH.net, which is an economic history association that provides the economic history of different people, places, and things. Their article on the economic history of Hawaii is very dense, but very, very good. And it's a great way to get kind of some really empirical data-backed understanding as to how the Hawaiian islands got to where they are today and the economic impacts that have impacted both their culture and people and population, which is very important. Um, We also have the Hawaii Digital Newspaper Project. They have an article on missionary influence in Hawaii. We have a Facebook group uh, about Huna, and the Facebook group is actually titled, Huna is not Hawaiian. Uh, I'll explain in a bit. (laughs) It'll make sense later. Um, we also have maxfreedomlong.com. Max Freedom Long is the, uh, essentially you could call him the developer of the, the Huna mysticism belief system. Mm, he sounds like the world's weirdest porn star. He does. <laughs> this dick is both long and extremely free. USA! USA! <laughs> USA! I'm going to put it in your USA! USA! Oh, it's actually just a flagpole. <laughs> I do want to see like a dick that just has like an American flag. Although I wonder if the dicks that would put an American flag on them would be long enough to support an American flag. You know what I mean? Now I want to do the the American flag dick challenge where (laughs) you get hard and tape an American flag to your penis and you see if if your dick can support the full weight. Is it like those American flag like toothpick sticks though? Like what size? Like how do you, (laughs) how are we standardizing the American flag? It's not the size of the flag. It's the motion of the wave. (laughs) 
It's not the size of the flag. It's the motion of the oppression behind it. <laughs> there you we're gonna go. get into some oppression in just a bit. <laughs> oh yeah, because we're covering American history. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're covering American imperialism. Uh, I said that American history. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we also have unwrapyourmind.com, a blog about the seven Huna principles of life. We also have a community live journal of Native Hawaiians reacting to uh, the Huna principles. Uh, we have manomano.io, which is a Hawaiian dictionary online. And then we have hunaheao.org, uh, which is a Huna institute. Because after kind of the initial development of this system of thought, people kind of like took it and ran with it in their own ways. Uh, and then we also have Amazon.com uh, reviews on Huna, the ancient Hawaiian secrets. Uh, and then we also have SurgeKing.com, also known as Surge's Cybership. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, are you ready? Yes. yes. I think you're forgetting our final source, though, which is that Paige actually had a two hour long phone interview with a ukulele. Um, and that provided so much context that we didn't get anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, ukulele is actually a relative of mine. So. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say aloha. Oi, he was verbose. And that's a <laughs> bad pun joke. Oh, yes. I am so ready to get into this. <laughs> Uh, so according to most historians, people believe that the islands that we now know as the Hawaiian Islands were uninhabited until around 400 AD when Polynesian voyagers sailed double-hulled canoes from the Marquesas Islands. And because they did not necessarily have uh, a written language exactly like the ones that we have today, they had a more oral tradition and they also didn't have any contact with the Western world until 1778. Most of our knowledge of their history prior to their encounters with white Europeans come from archaeological investigations, but also their oral traditions, which are also heavily metaphorical, which is really interesting. If you've ever listened to um, Hawaiian folklore and Hawaiian stories, they are very nature-based and beautiful. Um, and that plus archaeological digs is basically all we have to go on for the most part. Uh, there's no written records of what happened. So at the time, prior to the introduction of white Europeans, seemed to have a fairly egalitarian society and a subsistence economy like most indigenous tribes, both in what would become America and also other places on the Western Hemisphere. Um, but their population started to grow rather rapidly. And when it led to a major expansion of the areas of their settlement, they expand out to old other islands as well. But also they adopt a more hierarchical social structure. So this is where we see the in introduction of their monarchy kind of system. At the time, it's chiefs um, where they have uh, basically a division of chiefs among different sections of the island those chiefs would then delegate land to chiefs below them. Those land chiefs would then essentially delegate land among the people in their region to work that land. And then each little kind of land parcel, for the most part, used and worked with what they cultivated on their own land. 
and then traded for what they might not have with the other land parcels around them. So fairly egalitarian. They're doing fine uh, until 1778 when Captain James Cook's ships reach Hawaii and they stay for about a full year. Here's the thing. With white Europeans come a lot of things. Disease, capitalism, and just largely genocide. It's a lot of killing for no good reason. Um, And almost worst of all, boiled meats. Yeah, boiled meats. Hey, what's up, mom? (laughs) (laughs) My mom will boil fish. What's up? (laughs) Yeah, I love love her thought process. It's just like fish come from the water, it return to the water. It's the fish's life cycle. And I will make my children throw up in their mouths. Let's do it. (laughs) God. Now, when Captain Cook arrived, they had the land parceling system, as we kind of talked about. Um, But also they had a lot of a lot of their society depended on extended families or Ohana working cooperatively on land units um, and cultivating everything from mountains to ocean because the Hawaiian Islands are volcanic islands. Most have at least one mountain. Um, They were largely growing taro as well as sweet potatoes, yams, um, a couple other crops that were just indigenous to the jungle. So fruits and things like that. But with the white people came guns and diseases. Oh, shit. These white people were growing guns? Yeah, dude. They were harvesting hella guns. God. They went to find spicy guns and they brought them. <laughs> it was a Glock uh, bumper crop. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your cinnamon and all your AKs. <laughs> uh, yeah, the whites the whites brought guns. Um, uh. And in 1784, King Kamehameha, or at the time Chief Kamehameha, who becomes King Kamehameha, Uh, essentially conquers all of the neighboring kingdoms somewhat peacefully. And again, this is not a comprehensive Hawaiian history lesson. This is one episode. Yeah. (laughs) So we're getting what we can fit into 40 minutes. Uh, But he unites most of the kingdoms under one. So now we have like a unified monarchy. Um, And he does it because he then has access to guns and troops and fighting techniques that he didn't previously have. On top of that, From 1778 to 1900, an exposure to Western diseases produced a massive decline in the native's population. Uh, The estimate of their population at the time of contact can vary. Um, We know that there were at least over 100,000 of them, but there are also reports that it may have been up to 1 million, and we just have never had accurate counts the only census we have is the first missionary census in 1831 to 1832, which is when the missionaries arrive to complicate things further. <laughs> uh, and they counted just under 150,000 people. But literally only a few years later, they were down to 80,000 people in 1849. Damn. And in 1900, native or full Hawaiians, or even part Hawaiians, only accounted for about 39,656 people. Why why, why are Europeans so dirty? I, I mean, well, it's, it's, this is why there are untouched tribes today that people are like, don't go see them. <laughs> like, don't go visit. You will kill them with your germs. That's how it works. That's the, the a couple of years ago, there was a guy who got, um, who went to a tribe even though people told him not to 
and was killed because, duh, you're an invader. They don't know who you are. Uh, and there is a considerable worry that he could have potentially accidentally infected people. And yeah. it's not good because this is what happens. You know, white people are the only people in the world that can hear that somebody hasn't heard about them and they go, oh, my God, are they OK? We should. <laughs> yeah, I should get over there right now. I should bring all of my smallpox and guns. Yeah, uh, I've got these blankets. It's going to be great. Meanwhile, you can go to the Midwest and just like people are like, yeah, never met a Mexican in my life. Don't plan on it. <laughs> oh, God. That's not true. We have a South Side in Milwaukee. Uh <laughs> we have several El Rays and they're fantastic. South side, don't you know? We have a South side in Milwaukee. It it is uh yeah, Milwaukee's a very segregated city. Anyway, yeah. uh the Midwest if, is just Milwaukee. It is, yeah. Milwaukee is the only part of the Midwest that matters, obviously. I, you guys I will get it. tell you, uh the last time I was in Texas with my husband. Yeah. And we weren't further north. But I just want to remind people that Texas is a state that touches Mexico. Uh, (laughs) And not in a comfortable way. No, I'm just... (laughs) I mean, like, right up against it. consensual. Uh, Yeah, it's so close a a senator could get over there real quick, even during... (laughs) Even if there's, like, a blizzard and people are, like, freezing to death in their homes and things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so the last time we were in Texas... uh, someone came up to us they knew my husband's family somehow Mm -hmm. not close uh and they were like so uh your mom tells me that you live in california now and he's like yeah we live in california and he was like a lot of mexicans out there right what's that like and i was like you should know man they're right here have you been here do you walk outside? What's going on? A lot of Mexicans, huh? What's that like? Well, all the food is really good. That's what we said. We were like, the food's amazing. The lawns are <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's beautiful. You can get anything done really easy. and for- You can have like any kind of fruit. Any fruit you want. The entire city of Los Angeles would stop running tomorrow if every person of Mexican descent didn't live here. Like, what the fuck? What what the fuck? Well, and also I was like, there's a Mexican restaurant feet from where we're standing. Like, what are you talking about? The like, what is that like? Exactly like here, dummy. Like, what are you thinking? Well, the cool thing about uh, living in Los Angeles is that you could say there's a Chinese restaurant right there. There's a bunch of Mexicans in there and they're all cooking (laughs) food. It's just everywhere. They work everywhere. Oh my God. It's so good. Anyway, (laughs) back to this. Uh, With the islands unifying, they were more equipped to participate in foreign trade so even though they were facing widespread population decline they were in a period of relative peace and being governed well by their own people still at the time Um, but as they started engaging in foreign trade that brought even more interlopers into the island so now there were more people living there that were not native hawaiians there were more diseases potentially to kill people off there were more white Europeans who were just willing to kill indigenous people and did not care about them having rights to the land that they lived on and had been working for years. And through the 1800s, they see increases in things like whaling, as well as a huge push in sugar trading in 1812 to 1816 for the Civil War, or pre-Civil War, I should say. 1860s is when it really, really 
hikes up. Oh my god, I'm so fucking stupid. You said whaling, and of course you mean like the hunting of whales. Yes. But for a second, I thought you meant like, yeah, they saw an uptick on like people wailing on each other, just like <laughs> bam in the fucking streets, fighting, wailing <laughs> on a dude. No, it's it's there were two major ports, yeah, uh, Honolulu and Lahaina. So Lahaina is where uh, my parents have property on Maui, and that's where our property is, is just outside Lahaina. Mm. And Who's Haina? so that is the place I've been a number of times. Her parents, Haina. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Lahaina's the f- the first place I saw a huntsman spider in real life. Oh no! Oh no! A what? Uh, a, huntsman a huntsman spider. spider. Oh or a sugar God! Cane spider. Yeah, yeah. The, the proof proof that there is a devil, the, the huntsman spider. There's a yeah. there's a really good book, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's written by this researcher, and it's all about the history of Hawaii. And I just want to also say that like the funniest part about it is when a lot of missionaries and a lot of people started coming to Hawaii, they didn't adapt to the climate, so they were still yeah. wearing like full length black robes to their ankles and like dying of heat stroke left and right because they're like but my modesty and it's like is modesty real or did you just grow up where it's cold like well (laughs) they also uh they they did they did require almost like a dress code of of the indigenous people that lived in and around wherever they would start missionary schools or churches and you can actually see if you watch uh, like Mary Monarch and a couple of the other like Hawaiian traditional dance competitions. Sometimes they will still dance in very similar outfits to represent that period in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a period of kind of it's a difficult period because it's a time when their existing cultures and religions are being kind of stomped out. And there are very few things that they get to hold on to from that time. And the dance is one of them. Uh, and it's it's rough. When, when the missionaries arrive in the 1830s, it's a lot of changes. And it kind of lays the groundwork for what's going to happen politically um, in a couple more years after that. I also just want to take a quick second to remind everyone that this uh, whitewashing of dress is something that still happens to this day. They force us, they force you to wear fucking suits, uh, ties, uh, keep your hair cropped real nice. My hair doesn't look quote unquote professional. I can't make it look professional. It just. I like the way your hair looks. I love the way my hair looks, but I've had jobs where they've been like, that doesn't fit our dress code. And I'm like, it doesn't do anything else, Miranda. Okay. I can't fucking (laughs) make it. This is what it do. Yeah. If I put gel in it, it just becomes a jerry curl because gel is not meant to hold this hair. This hair's a wild stallion and it will rain free forever. But yeah, this shit is the same stuff where like, the indigenous people of New Zealand, there was a big thing with them uh, where their current uh, representative was like kicked out of the the their equivalent of like the Senate or whatever for not, for wearing, not wearing a tie. A tie. But he wore like the traditional yeah. thing that his culture dictates as a tie. And it's like, yeah, don't mm-hmm. fucking force us to wear suits and shit. That's the dress and the garb of the oppressor. I don't have to wear your shit to sit down at your table so that you can fucking stop killing my people. Anyway. Well, yeah, the, yeah, it's that's so it's just like th- none of you would be here. This is my play. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, get fucked. Yeah. 
1819, King Kamehameha, uh, his kingdom passes to his successor, Liholiho. And over the course of his reign, so through the 1820s and 30s, he abandons the traditional system of Hawaiian religious practices, um, known as the kapu system. And he actually orders that temples and images of gods be burned or removed. And so at this point, they end up kind of working together with the missionaries and Christianity spreads pretty quickly. Uh, not necessarily to the benefit of everyone living on the island. <laughs> to the diseases. benefit of no one. <laughs> what does happen after this period of time is in 1840, they actually create a constitution for a Hawaii legislature. So they're basically expanding their government. And citizens receive the right to vote, or at least in 1852, male citizens receive the right to vote. Uh, and missionaries and other foreigners regularly served in the cabinets and legislature through the end of the monarchy. So what we see at this point is, I would call it undue influence, where, yes, the <laughs> yeah. Hawaiians are still governing, but they are propped up by Europeans who have designs on their land. So we have white Europeans coming in and saying, this is what's best for you. Let us help you do it. But they have their own agenda for it. Yeah, man. And it is largely to mine the islands for resources. People, white, white people do this shit all the time. They, we fuck, America started a civil war in Guatemala to get a better price on fucking bananas. All right. Like yeah. for oatmeal toppings. Are you shitting me? And they're shaped like dicks. Yeah. Which is the best thing about them. <laughs> Our country continues to do this in other countries all the time. Like yeah. we, we can't stop, won't stop America. That's why we invest more in our military than our citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, King Kalakaua takes over, and then he is succeeded by his sister, Queen Lilialukalani, uh, and she proposes a new constitution in January of 1893. But a group of American at that point residents with the assistance of the local U.S. minister and troops from a local U.S. warship overthrew the monarchy because they did not like her constitution. Uh, she was trying to retain power and rights over her land and they were just like fuck you. So they establish a new government which is essentially just white people running Hawaii against Hawaii's will and they actually offer Hawaii to the United States so Hawaiians have no say in it at this point it's just white people being like hey America you can have these islands that we just forcibly took as an annexed state and at first the United States was like not on board with it I think they just didn't know what to do and they were in the middle of the Spanish-American war so they were like we busy <laughs> uh but in 1898, uh, it was annexed by a joint resolution of Congress. And two years later, it becomes a U.S. territory with the passage of the Organic Act in 1900. And things stay relatively the same up until World War II. So in those intervening years, Hawaii is used primarily to harvest things like sugarcane which is introduced to the island it's not native no. uh, pineapples and a number of, of other things that they are then shipping to the united states um but in 1941 we have the japanese attack on pearl harbor 
which institutes martial law in Hawaii from 1941 to 1944 with a massive increase in American armed service personnel from 1945 all the way through 1949. And in 1943, they are allowed to resume operations for plantations, which I'm saying plantations as that's the type of a farm it is. It's not the same as Southern plantations, but it's also not great. Um, to manufacture sugar, pineapples, and to avoid uh, union organizing for a lot of those agricultural workers and to subsidize the agricultural workers who keep dying in the fields. They bring in people from Asian countries, America, any number of other places, which further decreases the amount of native indigenous Hawaiians living on the islands. In 1959, Hawaii becomes our official 50th state. And most people agree that the transition from being a territory to being an actual state was predicated largely on something that happened in 1958. Commercial jet service allowed tourists to easily travel to Hawaii in a way that they had not been able to before, which increased the per capita personal income of the islands. Because capitalism. Mm. And so because they're now seeing a huge influx of tourists from both the United States and Japan, because you could go from both sides, the tourism industry causes rapid growth all the way through 1992 present day. And it was the biggest factor in whether or not they were going to make Hawaii a state. But in 1959, that's what happens. And the reason I tell you all of this is to understand Uh, what Hawaii as a nation and people has gone through to understand why the group that we're covering today could be perceived as hurtful (laughs) and (laughs) offensive. So we have to talk about a man named Max Freedom Long. I'm sorry. Yeah. Max Freedom, super hard, super long. Oh, my God. Max Freedom, long. The thing that I was going to say, by the way, when you were explaining Hawaiian history is uh, it's always so it's they're The names that they have are so beautiful. Like it sounds like like fucking musical the way that they, you know, that they're that they're pronounced. And then you go from all of these beautiful names to Max Freedom, long. Max Freedom, long. I'm the hottest yeah. new country star, Max Freedom Long. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kaiulani. Oh, Max. I'm Max. <laughs> and this is my brother, Kyle. We'll talk a little bit more as we go through about the Hawaiian language mm-hmm. and how uh, these people's misunderstanding of the language in general causes some misconceptions <laughs> for their belief system. Oh, yeah. Well, the people that came before them misunderstood Hebrew, and here we are. Here we go. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. Literally. That's that's a, that's a an actual translation from Aramaic. I don't know if you know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yes. fucking God? Yeah. That's in the original. It was mistranslated to be like, holy, it's whatever. And we'll talk about it later. It's fine. <laughs> Yep. Will we? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Max Freedom Long, uh, who was not Hawaiian. I don't know if you've guessed by his name, but he wasn't. Uh, he went to Hawaii in 1917 to work as an elementary school teacher when he became interested in the local religious beliefs and practices of the Hawaiian people. Because despite 
everyone trying to stamp out the traditional Hawaiian religions, it does still, people still know it and practice it. And that's, it has survived. Um, so he wanted to learn more about the indigenous Hawaiian religions. But according to many sources, none of the kahunas or priests would talk to him yeah, about I, it. I wonder why. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> um, so he was never, according to a lot of people, able to really get the inner workings of the religion down. No. He could kind of only glean from books and a couple other things. It's because every time he went to talk to them, he kicked their door down and he was like, hey, I'm Max and I'm here to learn about your God. <laughs> and he did cite, so I, I pulled things from both websites recording and refuting them, but then also a lot of the websites for Huna organizations uh, because they're very, very passionate about like, we're not a cult, we're just a belief system. And so I wanted to read out what they have to say and one of my favorite things about every single every single website i find from them is just like now i'm not a native hawaiian but and it's the just like i'm not a psychologist but i've done a lot of research of like this oh cult. it's God. just like i'm definitely a white person who likes pina coladas but <laughs> <laughs> i like pina coladas and oppressing the people um <laughs> <laughs> we force them to grow the supplies for this stupid yeah. ass drink. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my uh, god. I that does make a lot of sense that this religion is a Spotify original. So Oh my mm -hmm. god. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is really interesting, because this is one of the only times I've seen this in a religion, is for the person who starts it and or we'll say belief system whatever they don't like being called a religion um what's a little unique is that this is one of the first times i've seen someone say i didn't think of it so and so started the research and like point to another person and then uh, people who knew that other person are like I don't think they ever met. Like I, don't, like, I don't know what's going on. Is this fan fiction about this guy? I don't know what's happening. Um, oh, because so on, on his website for Huna, uh, or the website about him, Max Rudum Long, he says that the initial investigation, and this is from an article that was published in 1945 that's posted on their website. Uh, he says that the investigation into the systems of thought that make up Huna, which, spoiler alert, are basically theosophy. Uh, he says it was begun by a man named Dr. William Tufts Brigham, who was the curator of the Bishop Museum in Honolulu. And he says that Dr. Brigham uh, knew many native and indigenous priests who worked among their fellow Hawaiians as healers, essentially, and used what he calls the death prayers and would also fire walk over lava overflows or coals um, and practice faith healing, allegedly. Oh, my God. This is really just a horrible smoothie of different cultures and practices. Yeah, this is just yeah. a guy. This is Hawaiian David Blaine, and now we're just, like, basing <laughs> our whole fucking... They didn't say the other thing that he did, which is where he would hold your hands to help you pray. And then he'd be like, hey, I got something for you. And he'd hand you your own watch. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> he just pulls a pineapple out of your ear. Is this your fruit? He just pulls frogs out of his mouth. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to sit in this plexiglass square and drink lava flows till I shit myself. I'm David Blaine. <laughs> David Blaine is really... Um, I've, I've been watching a lot of uh, David Blaine uh, compilations lately because I don't know why. I got, why. I got high and I wanted to see how he stole someone's watch. And by the way, <laughs> when you watch a video that's just titled David Blaine Steals Watch, the like mystery of what he's doing goes out of the window. So you just watch him actually steal a watch. Like there is no sleight of hand because you're looking at his hand and it's just like, oh my God, David Blaine is a thief and he's incredibly skilled <laughs> at what he does. And my favorite thing about David Blaine is how he just cannot give a shit about what he's doing he always looks like he's on five xanax and he's like i'm fucking over this i am jesus <laughs> incarnate and i'm going to wire walk across the empire state building to another <laughs> building and if i die then i will finally feel something yeah it, to be a magician at that skill level you have to just be like Every day, you're just like, they fucking, they still fucking believe it. They still fucking can't figure this shit out. What the fuck? Because, <laughs> like, you know it's not real, but everyone around you is just like, oh, my God, it's like magic. Yeah, he stopped. He stopped performing magic. The last trick that David Blaine did was he was like, I'm going to go real high up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Are you gonna do like a card trick? And he's like, "No, I'm just gonna be no. way the fuck up just there, hella high." Like, <laughs> tell my daughter I love her. Big, more up than I usually am. Have you seen? Actually, have you seen the movie Up? I'm David Blaine, and this is Up. <laughs> <laughs> now he claims in this article that Nakahuna means keeper of the secret, and I'm here to tell you it doesn't. <laughs> Which is gonna be a common thing with with Huna. Where they're like, this means this. And you're like, no, it doesn't. Empirically, it doesn't. <laughs> so it I don't know why you say it does. God. That's really funny. That makes me so happy. <laughs> um, but he says that these priests had a, a cult of secrecy is what he actually says in the article. And they wouldn't tell either of them about their lore. And I was like, gee, I wonder why. And he describes it with a quote. What little they did tell was so unfamiliar and so muddled because of the use of unintelligible Hawaiian words that we could make almost nothing of it. Oh, no, dude. That's... Like, dude, you're trying to learn from them. Oof. This is what you're trying to argue is that you want to learn from them and you're just like, I don't know. They just kept speaking this other language that we did not understand. So <laughs> I went to this Mexican restaurant and they spoke this unintelligible gibberish. And then they handed yeah. me cheese between two tortillas. And he does say, he's saying that uh, Dr. Brigham is the one saying that, like, I don't know, don't understand their language. I'm like, he curates their museum. <laughs> and I have some notes about Dr. Brigham later, which will make this make a little bit more sense. Um, so, allegedly, Max Freedom Long in 1919 went to Dr. Brigham to ask him about what scientific information he has concerning the activities of Nakahuna. Now, Max Freedom Long believes that the systems of mysticism from ancient Egypt as well as the Middle East and India are all interrelated with Hawaiian mysticism and it's all the same energies, if you want to think about it, that allow you to, quote-unquote, faith heal, walk on coals, etc. So that's why you see, like, a jumbling of all of these beliefs with a little bit of Christian science and new thought movement thrown in. 
Hmm. Sprinkled over the top. That's the only seasoning white people know how to do. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, And he basically tells as if he studied with Dr. Brigham and understands principles of this new belief system based on Dr. Brigham's research. Um, But this is all in his words. What other people have to say about it is a little bit different because they claim that he didn't get a chance to actually talk to any priests and then left Hawaii in 1931 convinced that he would just never figure out their secrets because he didn't speak their language (laughs) until 1934 when he had a dream that secrets were encoded into the language itself. Oh my... Did he Da Vinci code Hawaii? What yeah, is he this? did. He did because instead of just going and learning the language, like if that's what you actually believe, go learn Hawaiian. Uh, that uh, allegedly, according to you, that's the key. He does not do that. Instead, he develops his own religious system from this revelation, calling it Huna, which he says is the Hawaiian word for secret. It is not. Uh, <laughs> not remotely. He just says it is. Uh, And he wrote his first book in 1936 to kind of chronicle his beliefs. But according to many sources, there are no accepted Hawaiian sources that refer to the word Huna as a tradition of esoteric learning. And many of them don't refer to it as the word for secret. Uh, I did look it up. The first definition that comes up is essentially a noun, but there's actually 18 additional definitions because Hawaiian is a tonal language. But also... Huna tends to mean a minute particle, grain, crumb, gram, speck. Uh, It can also mean to conceal. And I think this is where they get like the secret aspect, but it's a different pronunciation than they use. Uh, It's also usually a street name. They're claiming that they get it from the word kahuna, which means priest. And then just separating that out into huna to mean secret. But that's not how the Hawaiian language works. (laughs) So it's very made up um yeah that's like saying that in spanish donde esta is where is but if you just say onde it means secret because you don't yeah. know where the thing where is. it is because you it don't know secret. where the d is <laughs> <laughs> and that's the secret uh. <laughs> it has a tiny flagpole on it but it is somewhere else <laughs> if you create a vision board that tells you where esta you might learn the Odonde. Odonde está el D. So let's talk a little bit about the Hawaiian language in general. Pornhub at us. Where is the D? Okay. <laughs> Donde está los D? Spiritual uh, practices. <laughs> Pornhub.org.gov? I don't know. It's .com, obviously. <laughs> Oh my God, if they haven't bought those domains, then I don't know what the fuck they're doing with their time and money. Why isn't why isn't it Pornhub.com? That's insane. Yeah, everyone's fucking up. Pornhub, get at me. <laughs> so the Hawaiian language, uh, or as it's uh, known as Olelo Hawaii, is a Polynesian language of the Austronesian language family. And it takes its name from the Hawaiian language islands basically hawaii the largest island in the tropical north pacific archipelago where the language primarily developed now 
Hawaiian along with English is the official language of Hawaii. So they have a dual official state language. Uh, and King Kamehameha III established the first Hawaiian language constitution in 1839 and 1840. As we kind of covered earlier, Hawaiians did not necessarily have a written tradition except for some petroglyph symbols. They had an oral tradition like many indigenous peoples do. Mm -hmm. And so the modern alphabet, Kepa'apa Hawaii, is based on Latin script. Uh, so Hawaiian words and only in vowels and every consonant must be followed by a vowel. So the alphabetical order has all of the vowels before the consonants. There's only like 11 letters in the alphabet as far as the Hawaiian language goes. Was the language, is what happened, is it kind of like when the missionaries came, they're like, well, you got to write this shit down. And they're like, yeah. well, we don't really do that. And they're like, but you have to. Here's some letters. Figure it out. Is that kind of? Yes. Okay. And they just kind of picked the language, the, the letters that they thought were close, the closest, closest to, to the, the sounds. sounds. Mm. But because it's tonal and it includes glottal stops yeah which is why when you see hawaiian written out sometimes you'll see uh like usually they use apostrophes to denote a glottal stop where you're supposed to kind of pause as you're talking mm. uh, and it can be a little bit different to uh, a little bit difficult to do to get it right um especially if you're white and you're not used to talking in a way that includes glottal stops yeah, yeah. just think of it like a sky comma a sky comma <laughs> um but that that rule of like every consonant is followed by a vowel and all worlds words only end in vowels and most of their letters are vowels there's only a handful of consonants that's how you get words like huma huma nuka nuka apua a which is like one word <gasps> because so cool. you're yeah, it's very, very... It's a beautiful language. Yeah. It is beautiful. And I am glad to see that there are organizations that are dedicated to, like, maintaining it and making sure that people know it and learn it. Yeah. Because it is so pretty. Um, yeah, it's almost like if we had that before, this guy wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> no, I think he'd still be a problem. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. He would have been doing it to somebody else, but fuck, yep. man. This stuff happened all over India, too. That's how we get our white version of yoga. I mean, like, we have white people keep doing this shit. Yeah. We stay imperializing. <laughs> yeah, this is like when I was a kid and uh, and I used to not have to take notes because that's not how I remember stuff. And then people were like, you have to write it down. And I was like, I don't, maybe you have to write it down. I don't think I got yeah. it because I, you know, I hear it and that's how I remember it. And they were like, you have to learn the way we learn. Um, and then they make your brain hurt because now you think that you have to write shit down, but you don't. I, uh, when I was in history class, true facts my history teacher yelled at me in front of the class because i was drawing instead of taking notes and he's like what did i just say and i just repeated everything he just said and he was like oh uh i guess like he was just like he's mad that you just fuck fuck school yeah school's stupid i think modern school has gotten a little bit better about understanding different learning styles yeah and how a that girls can have add and adhd thank you science uh but also some of the things that can help with that, like drawing while you listen to lectures. I was one of those kids. I used to doodle constantly. Um, or sometimes like listening and doing other things. I, I'm a fiddler. Yeah. On the roof or just everywhere? Yes. <laughs> everywhere. In the crossroads somewhere in Georgia. <laughs> yes. That's, that's how she got all her talent and skill. 
um yeah i'm i'm hoping that one day schools will accept my form of learning which is where instead of listening to the lectures i just ditch um and that's how i learned mm. ditch degrees yeah get at us well, I'm pretty sure this dude ditched some degrees because he decided that he was going to form his own belief system based on things he did not understand or learn. Yeah, I that mean, sounds like aren't me. we all forming a belief system out of the primordial soup of ideas? I mean, kind of. That's why I believe that macaroni shapes are better than regular macaroni and cheese. Yeah, or that two lasagnas are separate if you stack them on top. They, are, they have a goddamn crust. I will not do this again. Somebody, okay. Somebody brought up a really excellent point that I hadn't have, I didn't think of. If you put them side to side, are they one long lasagna? No, that's a that stupid point? point. Anyone who believes You're that is ridiculous. Uh, my. Well, how is that any different from tall? Because Fuck tall it. is different. Because it's, there's it's a lattice different. structure. You don't yes. put all the noodles the same way. You alternate the lattice so that it weaves itself together like a beautiful basket of sauce. If I showed you a man named Max Freedom Tall, would you say that he was the same thing as Max Freedom Long? <laughs> long. <laughs> it depends. Is it two Max Freedom shorts <laughs> stacked on top of each other? Or two Max Freedoms asshole? standing next to each other, and that's why he's long. That's Max Freedom wide. <laughs> God, you guys. The point. Freedom wide. There's a max and freedom and a wide. Okay. The point that somebody brought up that, and I, we don't have to spend this much time talking about it. I wish, I wish I never had to hear about lasagnas again. We cut it out of a horror version. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point that they brought up was that if you if you put one lasagna on top of another lasagna, unless you plan on then separating them again at a later date, they just are one thing. Because if you serve it up, you're just cutting into both of them and serving it up as one piece. I would argue that in order to successfully carve a, a double lasagna, one you would have to lasagna. take double lasagna you would have to take them out of their baking pans which means that they have to be fully cooked and if they're fully cooked that means they have the crust but they would not stay together as one unit so it's gonna fall apart no matter what you do much like Mm. any of these arguments (laughs) god damn can we please stop talking about i like (laughs) first of all i i just become more and more convinced that it's two every day like i started out as like yeah, if I was making it and I hadn't cooked it yet, it's one. But then, you know, if I'm buying it, it's two. And now I'm just like, it's fucking two. I will die on these two lasagna hills. I swear to God. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for it to be one. I think it's just one lasagna mound. See, okay, if a mound is a different thing, that makes sense. Because it's two of one thing coming together to be a different one. Yeah, I hate this. Yeah, let's I hate stop. this so much. Make it stop. Blame Blaine. Um, <laughs> let's get back to our group that we're talking about today. Yes. So the practice of Huna, as Max Freedom Long basically laid it out, is practical living in harmony with three levels of consciousness or selves, which you will recognize from literally any other episode we've done on a theosophical group. It's the same thing. So he calls these selves the unipili, the subconscious or inner emotional intuitive self, the uhane, the waking consciousness or the rational self, and the amakua, the superconscious or connection with the divine self. 
But these are not the Hawaiian meanings of any of these words. <laughs> no, absolutely not. These are established concepts in a belief system known as theosophy that he is just renaming, which is kind of the the constant in these theosophical cults that we see all the time is they just rebrand it and say it's like they're on. It's just drop shipping is what they're doing, but with <laughs> religion. I now, mean, here's the other thing. He thought that he had discovered an ancient truth uh, linking the spirituality of the Hawaiian Islands back to India and ancient Egypt. And he believed that the Hawaiians were actually a lost tribe of Berbers from the Middle East and that they have migrated to Hawaii from Egypt, which history would say is not true. No. Yeah. What? That's like the same people who believe that uh, th the lost tribes of Israel are the ones that traveled to America and became oh you mean the mormons yeah they became americans the first white americans and the first uh white europeans it's just bullshit and none of it's real yeah and if that wasn't enough because this is the time of the new thought movement and theosophy he kind of lumps his belief system in with them and he got super into christian science which we have talked about before oh my god saying that he believed that they understood positive thinking better than anyone else and <laughs> oh my god no. that they were practicing the same thing he was just calling it different things um but as he continues to teach this other people take this belief system and make it their own and spread it in their own way which is why we're going to talk about a man named Serge King. Now, I don't have a ton <laughs> of information about his background, but that is his name. He's actually uh, Lieutenant Serge's dad. Ah, uh, I heard his mom was a can of Serge Cola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes by Serge Kahili King. Uh, Kahili is not his given name. Uh, <laughs> is Serge? Uh, a, a white. And Serge is his name, yeah. Um, but he has hypothesized that huna or this belief system or system of energy use if you want to call it that originally came from aliens from the pleiades who were remnants of the mythical advanced civilizations of the planet of lemuria and that's how we get this information uh and what we would call chakras or vortexes are all the same and it's these key points in huna that are all kind of connected so it's basically finally somebody starts making some goddamn sense around here <laughs> <laughs> well he he has this same idea of three selves um but he calls them something different ku lono and kane however again these are not they don't mean anything in hawaiian um and he actually comes up with what we would call the seven principles of huna are so ike which is the world is what you think it is infer from that what you will uh kala there are no limits makia energy flows where attention goes manawa now is the moment of power aloha to love is to be happy with someone or something mana all power comes from within and pono effectiveness is the measure of truth again none of this is based on traditional hawaiian definitions okay no. yes um and we'll get back to surge in just a second um but before we get too far i want to talk about 
Max Freedom Long and his story that he has about how he obtained this information because that's where Surge eventually gets his information as well. Okay. I feel like it's going to be a lot like National Treasure shit where he like just followed this non-existent trail of clues like he was like yeah i found a coconut and set it on fire and then it revealed a map and i followed that to like a museum and behind the museum was like a book of secrets it's actually way simpler than that it's just racism oh. so um max freedom long in the stories that we have talked about from his website as well as or the website ascribed to his writings that article from 1945 um, he says that he obtained many of his case studies and ideas about what to look for in this type of magic from the director of the Bishop Museum in Honolulu, William Brigham. However, according to articles in the Hawaiian Journal of History that have been peer-reviewed, there is no credible evidence that the two even met. Wow. And even if they did, William Brigham was not an expert on Hawaiian spiritualism. In fact, he didn't even really seemed to study it and he didn't document anything that max freedom long has talked about as far as his case studies in his own writings and not only that the things that he did leave behind in his writings were things saying that he believed that hawaiians were quote an inferior race oh. and that they were allegedly lazy mm. and he referred to queen Liliolukalani as a she-devil and then two words that I'm not going to say, one of them starts with N. He's a bad dude. Wow. <laughs> My God. But also, for here's the thing. He was going to say all that, but at no point was he like, yeah, I saw people walk on lava. So, like, no, he did not see traditional Hawaiian priests playing the floor as lava <laughs> as part of their rituals. It is made up. Yeah. I have a, a handful of quotes from other people who have done their own deep dives into Huna or who have been interviewed about it. So one of them is Charles Ken, who is a native Hawaiian scholar and recognized in the community as a kahuna, an expert in Hawaiian history and traditions. And he allegedly was friendly with Max and has said, while his Huna study is an interesting study, it is not and never was Hawaiian. Hmm. Oh my God. Um, uh, <laughs> The next one is from Pally J. Lee, who conducted extensive research on Max Freedom Long and Huna. And she concluded, based on her interviews, extensive interviews with Hawaiian elders and kahunas, that Huna is not Hawaiian in any way. And most of their words are used incorrectly or defined incorrectly. Uh, then we have Nancy Kahaliwai, who is a teacher of massage, like specifically Lomi Lomi massage, which is Hawaiian, a Hawaiian method of massage. Mm -hmm. And she says that traditional Lomi Lomi practitioners do not teach this philosophy. In fact, most insist that it's not from the native Hawaiian culture at all. Um, Wells College professor Lisa Kahaleloe Hall, uh, she's a PhD and a native Hawaiian. She wrote, one of the peer-reviewed journals published by the University of Hawaii that Huna, quote, bears absolutely no resemblance to any Hawaiian worldview or spiritual practice and is, in fact, quote, part of the new age spiritual industry. God. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it just feels like when white people find out that hard shell tacos were invented in San Bernardino and not Mexico. Yeah. Here's the other thing. So 
he founds in 1945 uh, Huna Research Incorporated and a couple other companies. And he actually names successors after his death. And they are all white dudes. Yeah. Just white dude after white dude after white dude. Until finally in 1973, another white dude, Serge King, who we've talked about briefly, um, founds Huna International. And he starts kind of a couple different websites and they're basically just message boards. And he writes a bunch of books about Huna. But he his main concern is just like, I want to get this out to as many people as possible. And whoever finds it, great. Like they're not organized. It's just kind of an online community of connected people. But what I did find was one of his books. And I'd like to read the back for you now. Yes. Serge Kahili King has a background in psychology, cross-cultural studies, and international business. In addition to speaking and teaching in many countries, he has formed Aloha International, a worldwide nonprofit network dedicated to making the world a better place. Though not a native Hawaiian, he was formally adopted into a native family and has spent the majority of his life on the islands exploring the teachings and values of his native elders as well as being trained in Hawaiian shamanism, which is the nice way of saying, oh, no, it's fine. I have a black friend uh, because <laughs> yeah. that's what he did. Basically, I wanted to read one of the reviews from his book from Amazon. Yes, Are please. You ready? Oh, yes. my God. Oh, my God. I love Amazon reviews so much. Me th they're my favorite. This is from Susan L. in 2017. <laughs> One out of five stars. Fuck yeah, Susan. Get him, Susan. Uh, and it also, it is a verified purchase. Um, I call shenanigans. <laughs> yes, Susan, the, yes. The information in this book is not some secret Hawaiian mystery religion only to be unveiled to the public now. This is the same stuff you read about in The Secret and every other new thought book that's out there. Same principles, no new insights going to the goodwill, which Susan, I was on board until you had to infect goodwill with it. Um, <laughs> throw it away. Throw it away. I, 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 I want to interpret it as she was like, I'm so upset that the only thing that's going to make me feel better is some good old fashioned thrifting. I got to go find myself a new dress and I'm going to look way better than I was before. I have to tell you, I can tell from the language of Susan that Susan is one of my Midwestern sisters uh, <laughs> because there is nothing more Midwestern than shenanigans at the Goodwill. You know what I'm saying? Shenanigans at the Goodwill. Now, to button this all up, because essentially at the end of the day, this is a theosophical religion in all other. It, it's just in name is the only thing that's different about it. But I did find it pretty amusing for the amount of white people being like, it's not a cult. It's just a thought process. And it's like, it's theosophy. Why are you why are you messing with Hawaiian culture about it? Why do people have to make Facebook groups to inform people that, quote, Huna is not from the word kahuna. It is not the old Hawaiian spirituality. It is a new age philosophy created by non-Hawaiians that is contributing to the ethno side of our people and our culture. They shouldn't have to defend themselves like that from people who didn't even bother to learn their language yep. before using it. There is this, the way that white cultures 
have for a long time interacted with other cultures is that we essentially quash out their belief systems. And then there is this idea that these cultures that we have kind of destroyed hold value, but only when interpreted through a white lens. So white people both sort of like, like revere the culture that they're destroying while purposefully misunderstand and Mm -hmm. seek to continue to steal and take from that culture and so there it's a type of racism that it's kind of like the way that we say like oh well the redskins like that when we use the redskins as a as a as a token like that's a way for us to um like hold them up and like you know say, say that they're great but it's just another way of like distilling an entire culture of people into something that you can get from it and othering them so it's like we're like oh well they're so great and they're so mystic and they have these like hidden beliefs that we have destroyed and whatever but instead of actually understanding someone else and instead of taking a back seat and actually trying to learn from other people and other cultures white people love to insert themselves into these situations take what they can but say like oh i discovered this and i'm so great like it is the weirdest mindfuck of white supremacy to say that like the only way you can understand this culture is through my white teaching and inter- and interpretation of it y'all want to go to a tiki bar tonight <laughs> i mean they're not open in california but well and and here's the thing Tiki culture is very complicated because it is based on white people's perception of the islands and then turns into a completely different new thing. And it's a very strange. Yeah, that's my point. Strange thing. There's just all of these like, yeah, there's there's so much fucking. uh, I don't know. It starts a lot of caricature and racism built into like 1950s especially tiki culture yeah exactly yeah and it's and it's tricky too because i feel like there are some people who are pretty careful about how they appreciate tiki culture and try to avoid linking it with traditional practices but it's still called tiki culture like as someone who enjoys tiki drinks and likes it i feel bad about it sometimes because i'm just like I get to enjoy this at the expense of the people who it is stereotyping, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't know. I don't know if this makes it a little bit better, but I've done uh, a variation on quote unquote misinterpreting uh, a language to get something that you want where one year I was in Portland on Cinco de Mayo and uh there was there was my favorite story a group of white people that were riding this like cycle bike tabletop thing and they were riding it through it and they're all wearing sombreros and they're drinking margaritas and they're blasting jimmy buffett's margaritaville um Mm. you know the national anthem of mexico by right of course mexican national jimmy buffet and uh <laughs> and he made buffet <laughs> jimenez buffet and uh yeah. they stopped at the bar that we were sitting at and i walked up to them and i convinced them i was like hola como esta and they were like hey that's the language and i was like yeah yeah it's a 
traditional phrase um, in which when I say it to you on Cinco de Mayo, which, you know, is our holy day, um, (laughs) it it means that you're supposed to buy me a drink and give me your hat as a sign of respect. And they, I saw the fear in their eyes as they were like, is this, oh God, is this real? And uh, yeah, they bought me six shots of tequila. They bought me... (laughs) two beers and they gave me a sombrero and that's a sombrero that i own to this day that's still in my house <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. um this actually this story does have a sad racist ending though where i drank the shots of tequila and then in portland you can drink like right on the sidewalk of a building mm-hmm. and so i drank these shots of tequila and then i was drinking tecate and i was wearing the sombrero and i'm just drunk on the side of the street off of tequila and mexican beer wearing a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo and this <laughs> this woman walked past me looked me in the eyes and then called me the n-word and I was like how did you fuck this up I set you up <laughs> for the racist alley-oop and you just slapped it out of my hands and went nope n-word <laughs> fucking oh man god anyway uh, but yeah I, well, I, are you guys ready for the palate cleanser of all palate yes, cleansers? yes absolutely please. Oh my God. Does it taste like Tecate? Uh, it's going to taste like something. So Surge King has the Surge's Cybership Gateway, which is uh, his personal website, including the Captain's Cabin page, which is his articles, essays, and poetry. <gasps> no. Do you want to listen to a poem? Oh my God. Yes. Roses are red, violets are blue. Give me your culture, I do a racism on you. (laughs) (laughs) This is beautiful. I'm going to read you some titles and you can choose which one. Um, The first one, and I did, I read through a few of these, so I know which ones are better than the others. Okay. Uh, The name on this one is better than the actual poem. The Ballad of the Sandwich. Wait a the minute. Sandwich is the name of a boat. Oh, so it's a witch made of sand. It's not a delicious Cubano. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I did. Sh- that was the first one I clicked on. I was like, I've sung about sandwiches. Let's do the this. ballad of the sandwich. And the underline is we used King's Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I just I clicked on it first because I was like, maybe Serge and I have more in common than I would think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one is the girl in green. Ooh. There's to a friend in need, a way to remember 30 years. Once there was a woman and a lovely sound. Now there are also two songs that I have not listened to. So I don't know if those are good, but we also probably can't play them. Um, so, okay. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Which one do you want? Uh, I want the sandwich one. There's a foreword to this poem where he talks about in 1970 in Senegambia, West Africa, he and... It's already bad. (laughs) It's already bad. What are you doing there? He and another researcher were working on a special project in Senegal Mm. uh, for the Agency for International Development, and he owned Mm -hmm. a 30-foot cruiser that he named the Sandwich. Um, Are you ready? Yes. The Ballad of the Sandwich by Serge Kahili King. Oh, once there was a float, an uproarious boat. Its name was the Sandwich. From out of Dakar, it sailed on the blue with a landlubber crew and an ice-coated, beer-loaded, glorious bar. 
One day the brave captain got out his road map and he headed his vessel down... I cannot pronounce this. Zigwinchor way? I don't know. He relied on his mate who could not navigate, so they ended up lost right inside Bathurst Bay. They arrived there at night and discovered a light, then two, then three, then forty or more. They were proud as could be of their accuracy, but they still were some ten or twelve miles from the shore. Well, the sea became rougher and seeing got tougher, but the bravely kept going without any fear. When they drew near the market, got darker than dark, and the mate set his jaw and cried, Break out more beer! Said the cap, keep your nose on the red compass rose, heading 151 and keep it right there. The mate tried to please within 30 degrees, and they passed by the buoy by the width of a hair. Now the captain said, I'll take the wheel for a while. I'll show you exactly what you need to know. In his confident way, he arranged it so they ended up where they'd been 15 minutes ago. Then they both said, I think that it's time for a drink. So they anchored the boat and went down below, and they spent the whole night getting pleasantly tight while the boat that rocked up and down, back and forth to and fro. Next morning, they reached the dock by the beach in that part of the town called by people half die. And they spent the whole day getting gas to the quay, and that night they worked hard again at getting high. The following morning, the sky was a warning. The sun was as red as a cut open beat. It goes on for many more stanzas. This is so fucking boring. And the way that it ends is they go, and that's how you get to Margaritaville. (laughs) (laughs) Wasting away in this sandwich boat. I mean, Um, this reminds me of really like freshman high school write a poem about whatever yeah, it's, and it's some dumb story like it sounds like a limerick almost like a really yeah. long now, limerick it, it is kind of like a limerick the one that i think is actually better that i read and i was like okay this is not bad poetry but i am confused by what's happening is the girl in green which is the next okay. one uh and there is a foreword for this too. December 1976 in malibu california while deep in meditation i suddenly found myself pulled into the following experience and just as suddenly kicked back out while still in a daze, these are the words that flowed out of me. So this is The Girl in Green by Serge King. Down through a deep, dark tunnel of time, I tumble, spinning away in space to a distant star, past flaming galaxies no longer sensed by our vision, so long ago that it hurts and so very far. There I find myself dressed in a much different fashion, a strange-looking sword in my hand as a silvery sheen. There there in my arms is a girl of 19 or 20, a girl who wears shimmering garments of green. A girl, I say, and yet this is not just a child. She holds herself with the air of a barbaric queen. She too holds a sword, and it's raised to ward off our attackers. Fearless she is, and I love her, this woman in green." Before us, a mob demands our blood with a vengeance. Two men in white robes are screaming and leading the way. All that keeps them from reaching our fragile position are the strange-looking swords that serve to keep them at bay. And it's basically a real long poem about this glittery green bitch who fights a bunch of people off with swords with him. Did he write Guardians of the Galaxy? Because it sounds (laughs) like he wrote Guardians of the Galaxy. I think he got super into theosophy and was like, what if I role played as a Hawaiian? Oh, my God. Yeah, that is kind of what this sounds like. Like, what are you doing, my dude? So that's basically it. They they now exist largely as online forums for practicing these principles, which are basically theosophy just by <laughs> different names. 
principles question marks yes but this has been huna white people white people again <laughs> yeah i feel like these principles are most often practiced by principals the people who run schools <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into the ground <laughs> that's where they go I during mean, the summer first break i was like an elementary school teacher. yeah see there you go i feel like the these are people these are just jimmy buffett fans <laughs> and he doesn't have a religion yet and once he does they're just going to be like go in that Page, way please jimenez buffet jimenez buffet yes <laughs> well this has been a really fun episode uh and it is sponsored like it always is by uh sandwich cruises hey do you <laughs> is, is your cruise not crusty enough uh oh. <laughs> Oof. Do you want to eat hot bologna in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> Have you? Is your biggest complaint about your boat that it doesn't reek like peanut butter and jelly? Well, then Sandwich Cruise Lines, the only cruise ship that completely dissolves in the water. <laughs> Are you going parasailing, but it's going to be around noon? Sandwich Cruises. <laughs> Sandwich Cruises. Who doesn't like to get a little soggy? Um no our 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 episode is actually sponsored as it always is by our wonderful amazing Patreon donors. Uh we just got a huge influx of Patreon members which first of all fucking thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who uh subscribed to our Patreon. Um but we do need y'all to message us with what name you want to be your shout out name or your message or whatever it is that you know that you want to get um so just go ahead and send us a message through the patreon app or through the patreon website uh giving us your name and we will turn it into a bit that you have <laughs> conflicting emotions about when you hear it and thank you everybody for being so nice uh for man eater chapters one and two we'll post more as we go don't yeah. worry we will post additional ones i am so fucking excited i listened to chapters <laughs> one and two i really wish that i could just listen to it kind of end to end without ending yeah like a constant sexy vampire sandwich um or tall sexy vampire lasagna if you will thank you so it's two it's two vampires <laughs> when you put two chapters on top of each other is it just one tall chapter or is it two it's a chapters book. two it different a book. chapters it's two different chapters uh well yes we 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 posted the first two chapters of pages uh vampire erotica novel um <laughs> man eater so go check those out. They're on our Patreon. We're going to be posting more stuff. Uh, we're changing the way that we do Patreon to include some bonus content that's not just Speculation Zone, but also maybe some Fire Madness episodes and some shit like that where maybe we'll even start disgusting. Dis I said disgusting. I meant disgusting, but maybe it's one in the same. It'll be disgusting. You, but yeah. It'll di whatever it is, it's going to be disgusting. We'll start disgusting yeah. Maneater in a after show <laughs> talk program is what I was going to say. I mean, if you guys... Because you haven't listened Not to it yet. yet. That's fine if you do. No, I've just been... I haven't <laughs> um, gotten a chance. I've been in so many meetings and I feel like I should play it in the background where I'm like, no, no, this... No, this is just... No, this is just what I listen to to get into the mood for business. <laughs> business. <laughs> I'm getting down to um, business. <laughs> what I... Yeah, I, I think it would be fun for us to do like a Q&A every few chapters. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I want because here's the thing. 
I really want to delve into the psychology of Paige when she made this <laughs> book. Bad idea, That's what I, I want. I want to know what Where you were, you were at? thinking. Mentally, emotionally, hornily. <laughs> Where were you at? <laughs> Patreon.com slash cult podcast. Check out this horny mess of words. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't wait to get oh right into it like some kind of vampire. Um, yeah. I uh, Patreon.com slash cult podcast. And uh, hey, if you're, lis- if you're looking for a new place to listen to cult podcast, uh, might we suggest rooster tea? Two lasagnas. <laughs> Doodle, don't yeah! listen to Paige. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Cockadoodle, whatever. <laughs> Cockadoodle, don't at us unless you agree that it's one lasagna. One tall lasagna. It's two. One tall lasagna. Can we lasagna. do this again, actually, and just not do lasagna? Never. We're keeping it in. I know I fucked um, it up. But if actually this is this is great rooster teeth uh merch site actually now has two lasagna and one lasagna shirts that you can get you can go buy them right fucking now i'm buying all of us uh shirts that reflect our respective ideals <laughs> our respective zanyas yes thank you respect <laughs> the zanya and uh you should too go to roosterteeth.com or go to the official rooster teeth app and uh when you're not shopping for merch you can watch a bunch of great content including cult podcast um that is probably the best place that you could listen to cult podcast uh it's great you can get the app on your tv on your amazon fire stick your fucking xbox your computer your phone you can get that shit anywhere and listen to us wherever you are in the world um like your world your personal world like are you fucking writing down uh fan fiction to pages vampire erotic novel bam rooster teeth we're right there with you <laughs> uh yeah i don't know that they want to be associated I'm sure, with that. yeah i'm sure they love <laughs> every single one of these don't. shout outs oh this show is us just putting a strain on our business relationships with this company <laughs> episode at a time yeah oh my yeah. god yeah, my boss wanted to listen, and I was like, yeah, I forgot the name of my podcast. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. We're, oh, no. we're Colts by Parcasts. That's yeah. our show. Oh, no. Please don't my name is actually Greg. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to follow me on social media because, oh, I'm going to be doing a bunch of fun shit that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it yet, but it's going to happen this week. Um, so come follow me on social media and you can hear all about it. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo does stuff. M A N D O does stuff. All one word. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to tell you all about it soon. And, uh, also I'm going to be starting a Twitch channel and there's going to be more information on my social media about when that starts, which is going to be March 5th and, um, the stuff that we're going to be doing on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, a couple big announcements. Come check me out social media. Like I said, at Mondo does stuff on everything. That's my like fucking little stupid name. Brand? Yep. Yeah. Shut up. Uh, yeah. Mar- Armando's Twitch brand is really all about how much he hates weed. So yeah. if you want more information about how horrible weed is, definitely check him stupid out. Stupid fucking drug. All I do is <laughs> smoke it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I set it on fire, and because I don't want anyone else to have to be around it, I inhale it real you quick. Just inhale all of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so that that way no one else has to. 
I was going to say keep March 5th on your calendar because we will be there also. Yes. Times on as Twitch on As soon as I figure out how Twitch works, let's <laughs> do it. Fine. All you need, Andrea, is a phone and the ability to be funny. Oh, no. I have one of those things. <laughs> yeah, her phone is broken. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. If you want... Here's the thing. We talked in this episode, we talked a lot about white imperialism uh there's a really good instagram that i follow that's also a podcast called no white saviors if you want to learn more about the horrible cost of missionary work and how missionaries continue to fuck up other people's cultures every fucking day check out no white saviors and learn some stuff it's uh really educational i really enjoy following them i would say they're educational but they also sort of have a sense of humor but their main goal is definitely to educate on some of the things that you think are like, oh, well, that seems good. And you're like, oh, wait, no, that's horrible. So check them out. Um, also, if you want to score a limited edition, hand tie-dyed, ethically sourced cloudfish hoodie, <laughs> go to my website at www.andreagazetta.com. I will have them in my shop starting this Sunday. So they should already be live right now. Mm -hmm. um, those hoodies are going to be limited edition. They'll be up for two weeks. They'll be pre-order only because they are made by me in my bathtub. What's up? Uh, they do take a long time to make. But one of my concerns with a lot of the other hoodies that I found that were pastel tie-dyed was that they were not ethically sourced and I don't want to contribute to any type of sweatshop labor and I want to make sure that the hoodies themselves are sewn in America and sewn ethically using green practices that don't waste a lot of resources. So those are going to be a pre-order item uh, in my shop right now. And 10% of the proceeds are going to go to my local food pantry to help feed the unhoused and food insecure in our community here. So, And yeah. also, one of the other big things that Andrea did when sourcing these hoodies is the people that are involved in making them uh, are being paid a fair and living wage, which in clothing is yes. so fucking rare to find. Like, fuck fast fashion. Shop locally. Shop small. Um, and this is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen. Uh, the pictures, one of them at least is already up on her Instagram. Holy shit. They're so fucking cool. And they make her bathtub look like she stabbed a clown. So <laughs> yeah, I definitely murdered a rainbow in my bathtub. So what's up? I'm about to crop top it up and have crop top summer with a cloudfish hoodie. It's going to be dope. Yeah, the crop tops, it does come in like regular hoodie and also crop top because the white girl in me needed it. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at Andrea Gazetta or I'm also at Sundress Comic on Twitter. Come check me out. Ooh. Hey, I make podcasts instead of sleeping. Uh, <laughs> it's me, your girl, P-Dub, Rampage, Paige Wesley. You can find me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. And uh, if you have your own vampire erotica, sure, send it my way. I, it's only fair. You're listening to mine. So go ahead and send that to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Hey, if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can. It's allowed. They they pass new legislation and you're allowed to follow <laughs> cult podcast. Nice. 
before it was like a states thing where like in california it was recreational to follow cult podcasts but in like other places like massachusetts you needed like a fucking med card to follow our show um right, 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 right. but now it's legal. we actually do help with arthritis though we're so. great for glaucoma yeah, yeah exactly unlike that harmful evil marijuana um also try our cult podcast lube for a nice little buzz <laughs> You can. Oh no! Can, Is our cult podcast lube just a slippery just, chair? Just regular lube. It's just regular oh, lube just that we spit on. in. All three of us, we spit uh, in the bottle and mix it up. Uh, this no. is not. I don't like it. I don't want to get close enough to you guys while also spitting. Hell yeah! Pandemic, pandemic. That's totally understandable. You can find us on Instagram at Cult Podcast or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email complaining about our spitty lube uh, to Cult Podcast Show at Gmail dot com. Still dry as a desert. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I just oh no. And if you want to send us crop tops to wear for crop top summer Hell or Andrea yeah. we'll Hell both wear yeah. them. it'll be great you can send those to 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like, like the, the shining. shining los angeles california you could send crop tops for mondo too yeah That's fine i can't promise i'll wear them but i'll try 90065 and i think for this one i'm going to say don't drink the pina coladas and <laughs> Or, I mean, respond. drink pina coladas responsibly. Responsibly. <laughs> responsibly. And yeah, don't drive a sandwich boat afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of driving while drunk in that poem. <laughs> uh, and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And come join the Facebook group. Bye.